Hey, Hillary. Hey, Jenny. How are you? I'm really, really sleepy. Yeah, it feels like a sleepy <laughs> night, doesn't it? It does. I took like a 6.30 p.m. nap today, which was weird. Yeah. And I woke up and went, crap, it's time to record. Those naps feel good, but they're just really inopportune. And I mean, it was, I had no choice. Yeah. I even had some coffee, which usually I wouldn't do at the dinner hour. But um, I fell right asleep against my will. Gotcha. Are you drinking anything? I am. You know, I've just got our typical screwball. I did put it in our, my queen of tarts mug. Aww. (laughs) I have screwball as well. I made this cocktail that they had on the screwball site. It's delicious. Except, Mm. but I I kind of, it's my fault that it didn't go perfectly because I don't have the right, I don't have the right vessel to pour it. Apparently there's some science involved. There's science, but it's Coca-Cola, which I thought would be an exciting thing to have a good reason to drink some Coca-Cola, which is like my favorite thing in the world that I never drink. And And feels kind of (laughs) pop-like. It is pop-like. It's funny that you mentioned that. Um, But it also has peanuts in it and screwball whiskey. So, um, I found this out a few months ago, actually, the origins between people in the South drinking Coca-Cola with peanuts at the bottom, which I just didn't know was a thing at all. And then somebody told me about it and then I did research and it's a Southern thing. And who'd have thought? I had no idea. You know, I live in the South. I live in, I live in the mid-Atlantic. Yeah. But technically the South. But anyway, farmers would put peanuts in their Coca-Cola because they had their hands in soil and stuff, and they wanted to be able to drink and eat a snack without having to wash their hands. <laughs> True story. I mean, oh talk God. about multitasking. <laughs> really? That is true. hilarious. Yeah. But, I mean, it it's makes so much sense. brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. When I never peanuts, had I've never had it before. Peanuts are full of protein. I mean, nice salty snack when you're sweating a lot. Yeah, it's a good snack to have when you're out in the fields. And then you got your Coca-Cola, which is sugar and caffeine that'll give you energy to keep working in yeah. the fields. So I don't if you would ask me why. And I came up with any number of reasons. <laughs> that that is not one of them. Had you heard of that before, though? No, never. No, to me neither. It's, it's just so funny that it became a thing. Yeah, apparently a very famous thing that I didn't know about. Yeah. I didn't know boiled peanuts were a thing either. They are, apparently. Boiled peanuts, huh? They're very weird, and they're very good. But they're okay. weird. Because they have a... Like, the the shells are boiled with the peanuts inside of them, and they're all soft. Hmm. It's a different, it's a very, very different taste. It's a different experience, yeah. A southern cuisine I didn't know about, but I did eat them, I don't know, a couple years ago. They had them at at a nice restaurant, actually. Really? Yeah, so, Pop File, speaking of, 
soda. Hmm. So I have some today in history. Okay. Okay, so we are recording this on September, on, on Monday, September 18th, 2022. Yeah. It's the 19th. I'm sorry, the 19th. So we are recording this on Monday, September 19th, 2022. And I even have the file, the notes dated with the correct date, but I said, <laughs> um, okay, so September 23rd, 1997, you two played in Sarajevo. Larry said it was one of the most meaningful things they've done in their career. Unfortunately, Bono lost his voice sometime before the show and oh. it's not one of their best concerts funnily enough bono snipped in a mix of discotech <laughs> into discotech <laughs> it was the um howie b version it? Love it. it was the howie b version of discotech into the stage version of discotech <laughs> because you know every song can be snipped in a discotheque. Yes. All songs. Sometimes all of them are. Sometimes all of them are. Um, aside from that, it was an absolutely normal set list. They didn't, I'm sure there were speeches. Right. But there wasn't anything remarkable about the show compared to all the other shows. Yeah. But <laughs> it was yeah. it was historical. I say, yeah, we should note the history of that, that um you know, Sarajevo's war-torn, and you two had spent part of the, the Europa tour um, with live feeds coming in from Sarajevo, and they, you know, you two does. <laughs> yeah, it always be fun at a U2 show. Yeah. But still, people were on there saying, like, y'all are having fun at a concert, and you've forgotten us. No, it really they they vowed to these to the country that they would come. Yeah. They would come um play a show with them. And I guess logistically it was a crazy getting them there. Yeah. And I think really expensive to get there too. Oh, I'm sure. So um but but they got it done and it was more some I mean, it sucks about Bono's voice, but the symbolism of it of a concert coming to Sarajevo and it being you two was a really big deal. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, the, you know, I feel like in the same vein as the Sarajevo, like it was a necessary, yeah. you know, it's necessary to have pageantry in any version when yeah. the world is sucking around you. Yep. Okay, so moving on, September 26, 1997, they had a show in Greece. It was a normal set list, and that's all. That's <laughs> true, folks. That was it. Oh, that's the end of the note. Normal set list, that's all. <laughs> Literally wrote it down. I thought there was one Just other like entry because there was a return. <laughs> no, and that is all we have for the pop file. Oh my goodness. Huh. So there's been some, um, I guess, YouTube Bono musings going on in the media. 
So I was going to say just today um, in The New Yorker, an excerpt from Bono's memoir came out. It seemed like it was maybe like a whole chapter. It it was long. It was very long. It was called it's cert- Boy to Bono. Mm-hmm. And it's more. It's it's the story that we've heard about his limited memories of his mom Iris and her up to her death. And but with much more details, big and small. Yeah. Um, much more detail. Yeah. And I mean, just, you know, musings of him as a child. Yeah. And this and that. So it's really it's I mean, it's so cool to read. I can't wait to hear it. Yeah, it's going to be God, it's just going to be amazing. But it's um, I mean, I think. The moral of the story is, you know, to get to be where he is, you have to be misunderstood. Yep. Yep. And I mean, basically that chapter from Boy to Bono or whatever that, that, um. Yeah, that was the name of the art, like the. Yeah, yeah. But that the sampling, article or whatever, yeah. The sampling, that sample from his book was just pretty much. You know, you you have to get lost to be, you have to be lost in everything to, right, I guess, find your path. And I mean, clearly he was just a misunderstood kid. Yeah. Even to by himself. those who loved him. Yeah. But really, it was it's really great. You know, I I was gonna say more stuff about it, but if you're not listening to these things, if you're not reading those things on your own. I don't want to like ruin the book for anybody. Right. And I feel like we're getting a lot of books. A lot. So we're just on our end for right now. We're we're not going to tell you anything about it. We're just going to give you little. Right. But so if you have read it and you want to go search from Boy to Bono. Yeah. It's a New Um, Yorker. My brother Jeremy sent me a text shortly before we actually started recording, and he was like, um, I guess you know about this. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> oh, you're like he, 10 hours late, dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think he was actually saying about the book. Not, oh. but I'm like, I've been sending him videos and articles like nonstop. He should know this. I hope he just means about the article. I hope so, too. But even still, yeah. I mean, I'd rather someone err on the side of sending it. Yeah. Oh, so absolutely. Do you have a question for the class? Absolutely. What is it? Put my toe in the camera. I need you to send it. You need me to send what to get printed? Did you take all the pictures? I can take it to Walgreens tomorrow. Sadie found the disposable camera. Oh, fun. Does she know the history of those? They're like, you need to send it to get it. (laughs) Where would I send it, Sadie? (laughs) Exactly. Do you remember sending those, though, in the mail? Is that how they were originally? Yeah, you put the film... In the disposables. Yeah. 
No, no, all film was like that. Really? Yeah. You put it in the mail in this container, and they and you add you put your address on it and everything, and you mailed it, and they sent it back, and it was in your handwriting. I don't know if I remember that. Also, do you remember those little buildings and parking lots? Those little teeny one person. Yeah, they were just like. They didn't develop film there either. They also sent it out. Yeah, but they would send it out and then you'd pick it up there. Get up there, yeah. So I think I remember that for sure. Yeah. It having to be sent out because once it was like the one hour. Yeah. Like well, one hour. When I, I mean, I remember you, you would get, um, or I think you could go to those places and get like a bunch of the envelopes or something. Maybe they hmm. came with magazines too. I don't remember. I don't know how, but you sent the film off. You mailed it, and then they mailed you back. But the one little, the little tiny box in the parking lot, man, that was. What could we? What could we have? What would a small building like that be uh, have a good use for now? Well, I've seen larger ones, but still small that are now like drive-up coffee shops. They had one of those in the parking lot at um, Back to the Future. Did the the whoever the people Middle Easterners did they didn't they like run into it and like explode it or something? <laughs> Maybe I'm trying to remember that. That sounds familiar. Yeah. <laughs> we had one right up the street from us and it was there probably for 20 some years after it stopped oh my gosh yeah. yeah I can picture where our close one was it was in the parking lot next to um the grocery store yeah <laughs> I think it became like a snow cone snow cones would work thing coffee would work on a very limited yeah, yeah, I've seen coffee ones, but they're, they're not this, they're, they're the same idea in the parking lot, but they're like maybe three times as big, which is still small. I want something that size. Yeah. What do we use it for? I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to start up a business. I love it. <laughs> I'm going to have a startup, a retro startup. <laughs> It could be like record store day only. Ooh. People just line up in their cars. That would be that would be really cool. Well, that's crazy. Yeah. Okay, as we were <laughs> talking about the book. Okay, so speaking of books and interesting musings, so the um. Creator of Rolling Stone magazine, Jan Winner, has his own biography out. Yeah. And he's been on the talk show circuit. He was on Jimmy Fallon. And he discussed this story about... But we should give props to Garden Tart friend Mary Cipriani. Yes, thank who you. Who was Mary. texting us. It was like, this better be on the pod. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Because she sent us, like, pictures, like, a page of his biography. Yeah. It's a autobiography. So Jan tells a story that he had dinner with Bono in New York and mentioned that he was interviewing 
Obama in the White House, like the next day. And Bono was like, oh, it's just in the White House. And and uh, Obama and I, you know, drank a lot and I drank him under the table. So he goes to the White House and tells Obama this. And Obama was like, oh, I don't think so. <laughs> I had to drag him to bed in the Lincoln bedroom. <laughs> I had to carry him to bed. Carry him to bed. So I've been thinking about this a lot because Noel Gallagher tells a story that he can't. So I've never, ever heard a story of anyone actually saying that that they drink more than Bono. Like Bono's, he's just Irish and he can, he can throw it down. So World Street is yes. Yeah. So I was thinking about this and I'm like, who's the liar? <laughs> is it Bono? Is it Barack Obama? I don't think so. I don't think it's. I don't think it's either of them. I don't think I it's think our friend Barry. A, it's not Barry O. It's not Barry Bono. And Bono. And Bono. I think it's Jan Wetter that's the liar. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I've really, really thought about this, like, a lot. Like, a lot, a lot, a lot. Um, really. Barry and Bono, the name of this app. Barrio and Bono. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. We'll see what else comes up. Yeah. But that that's good, Barrio and Bono. Um, definitely in the description. Yes. <laughs> I think it's Jan Winter that's the liar. <laughs> I got it. Someone's lying here. There's something not accurate. And though Bono isn't always the most trustworthy of storytellers, tellers he's not a liar no (laughs) so it's got to be on yeah he needed book filler it's a great story everyone loves everyone loves to you know bust on bono so yeah let it go (laughs) (laughs) so this brings me full circle into my next um and to my, it's not news, but it's my next using. So as everybody knows, last, the week before, last week, a week before last, Queen Elizabeth II passed away. And though, you know, I don't really think this is the best place for English politics. Yeah. I have to kind of, I have to kind of, you know, tip my hat to her because she really was like everybody's grandmother. Yeah. Like she got through, she got the world through a lot of shit. And I mean, tell me, you don't, you wouldn't have wanted to give her a hug at some point just for like (laughs) make you feel warm and yeah. Glad to know she was there anyway. It's kind of affected me. Um, but my brother was telling me about a story about Obama that he had a really, you know, Obama went there on a state trip and had a really, really um, good experience. It was, you know, really, really nice. And then he hosted her for a state event at the American Embassy in England. So it was okay. like the same thing and they were reciprocated. Yeah. And apparently uh, Michelle Obama gave her a little approach that to her was do you know the story I do but go ahead yeah okay 
that to her was, you know, to, that to the queen was probably, you know, looked like something get out of at the dollar store or something. <laughs> but to our us mere mortals, including Michelle Obama, who I don't believe is a mortal, but she's more mortal than she is, you know, massive queen. Than, than the queen, yes. So um, anyway, she the queen wore it to the the reciprocated event at the at the American Embassy, and Michelle Obama was just really touched by it. It's probably protocol to do that or whatever. Flash forward a few years, Donald Trump comes to England with mm-hmm. you know a lot of drama and controversy and assholeness and the queen wears michelle obama's brooch now i actually did not know this part of the story i knew about the initial exchange yeah so uh, it was her being kind of i don't know numb to political situations i do not believe this but maybe she was being polite by giving by wearing something that another U.S. president, U.S. president's wife had given her. And in previous presidencies, that might have been a nice gesture, except that it was Trump. And to me, I I see that as comments relief and a dig at Trump, which. Yeah, I think it was passive aggressive. I think it was a dig. I think it was like. Yeah. So anyway. Um, apparently Michelle Obama, well, said he read this article or something. Michelle Obama was taking, um, her girls on like a trip all over Europe, like a state, Mm -hmm. not a state, it wasn't anything political. It was just all over Europe. And the queen contacted the Obamas. The Obamas did not contact her. She contacted them and said, would you like for the girls to come visit Buckingham Palace? And would they enjoy having like a private tour of the grounds in the golden coach or whatever? <laughs> like thing that turns into a pumpkin or whatever. It's like made out of gold. The royal wedding coach or whatever it is. Wow. And, um, they did it. And how awesome is that? Man. So, that's, um, man, that's amazing. This, this story kind of comes full circle as well that, you know, we had an episode, um, a few months ago called, a few weeks ago called, uh, Check Your Junk. Yeah. <laughs> so, the Thursday before last, I had a colonoscopy. Everything went well. It was not fun. It was not pleasant, but it went well and I had good drugs. So whatever. So I, I go, the world is fine. I go have my colonoscopy. I wake up a little groggy and my mom's like, honey, the queen died. (laughs) I'm just like, well, I'll never forget this moment. (laughs) Nope. Where were you when you found out the queen died? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So Anyway, get your junk chuck. That's a, a yeah. for sure thing. But then here's the other part. I get home that day and there's a box waiting for me. And I'm like, what the hell? I didn't order anything. And it's like from a toy store. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, I can't, 
I can't understand this. What could be in this box? And I open it up and it's a Funko Pop of Noel Gallagher with a Union Jack guitar. And I forgot that I ordered it entirely because you you have to pre-order those things so far out that by the time they arrive, you don't remember you ordered it. And, but it, I got it, like it came to my house while I was getting my colonoscopy, like it was delivered. Then my mom, you know, I wake up, my mom says the queen's dead. I get home and there's a little toy in my mail with a Union Jack guitar. And then I, and then what I wondered to you is why the hell didn't I get Leah? Yeah. But they weren't, you couldn't pre-order them together. I have now pre-ordered okay. Liam and I should probably get him next week. So that's that. Anyway, so, I, I send my respect and my condolences to the United Kingdom and the royal family because it really is sad. And I mean, I just lost my grandmother, so I get it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. And that's kind of how, how you have to look at it. It's everybody's grandmother. Yeah. And it's sad. For sure. Yeah. So that's that. What else do you have? So I had a little funny moment with my sister. Um, so she had called me to talk about, we've got some stuff going on with our parents. We were going to talk about, but I called her and she was like, a few hours later, I called her back and she's like, she answers the phone and she's talking to her partner and I can hear Tyler in the background and I'm like, she didn't even say hello. They were deep in discussion and I'm like, um, hello. And she's like, Oh, Jenny, you called at the perfect time. Cause we were in the middle of this very deep discussion, <laughs> very deep discussion. And she's like, as much as my sister thinks I'm batshit crazy for all my obsession over a certain topic and maybe a certain singer, she, and you've heard her talk about this, she has, she's like, Jenny is the ultimate fan. She loves what she loves and she loves it hardcore in her heart and in her soul. And she is an expert on some things, on some of these things. Plus, I worked at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, lots and lots of things. So she was like, you know, she's like, so Jenny, what would, I I, I, I had to pull up the article, because she, she was just reading an article in The Guardian about the song Hallelujah. This is Leonard Cohen's almighty struggle with rejected song that became a classic. And she was like, what do you think? is the song, the version that made Hallelujah famous that's not Leonard Cohen. Do you have an answer? Oh, do I have an answer? I thought yeah. you were... Oh, yeah, obviously, it's Jeff Buckley, not Bono for sure. Exactly. Hell no. It's Jeff Buckley. <laughs> like, hand, there's no other answer. Yeah. Right? Here's the first, here's the first uh, two sentences of this article. Hallelujah is one of the most famous songs ever written, yet a new film reveals it took Leonard Cohen 180 attempts over a decade to perfect, only for it to be rejected by his record company. Nearly 20 years went by before an animated ogre, Shrek, 
turned the song into a monster hit. That's crazy. Did you know it was in Shrek? Yeah, yeah. I've actually never seen Shrek, but I knew it was in it. He Rufus Rainwhite sings it on the soundtrack. He does yeah. not sing it in the, in the movie. Yeah. Um, but I had this argument that I knew, um, because I've never seen the movie, but I did know that Rufus Wainwright sang it on the soundtrack, but I still have never seen the movie. So a friend of mine was like, no, it's Leonard Cohen singing it. And I'm like, but I saw on the soundtrack. Anyway, go ahead. But we just like, and so Tyler, who he was like, what part? Like, what is the, if you had a Venn diagram of people who watch Shrek and people who know Jeff Buckley, what is the crossover there? <laughs> it's not a lot. Like, the Shrek audience is huge. Right. It's families, it's young adult, like, it's everyone. And if people are going to hear the song, I'm like, yeah, but they have to think it's a remake of the original version, which is obviously written by Jeff Buckley because people didn't know it was a Leonard Cohen song. Right, right. And so we just had this, and Susie, my sister, was just like, sorry, Tyler, you're wrong. Jenny's right. <laughs> so I, I in my gut, in my gut, there's only one version of that song. Oh, that, I agree. No. And my, my introduction to that song was Jeff Buckley, not Leonard Cohen. Yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. Yeah, I feel like that's not super cool of me as a fan of singer-songwriters to say that. But because, like, I feel like if someone was like, if someone said to me, oh, you know, the, that Jeff Buck, you know, the song Jeff Buckley wrote, Hallelujah, I would be like, oh, hell no. But I didn't know that. But think about the education that gave you. How many... Other artists have we learned about because you two covered them. Right. Oh, like, absolutely. It's it's a it was a good way to learn that. And so, do you know the name of the album that that Jeff Buckley album? It's that uh, Grace. It's Grace. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the origin of Grace's name. Yeah. My Grace. Right. So anyway, Tyler was all this better end up on the pod. <laughs> I'm like, oh, it will. <laughs> that's really, that's really interesting. But I, I also like, I don't know. I feel like for us to freely admit that being the caliber music people we are is saying a lot because, like, like I have a friend who discovered that um, Peter Gabriel was the original singer of Genesis. Yeah. And then I have another friend who, when he found this out about my, my friend whose head exploded when she found out that Peter Gabriel was yeah, a singer. Yeah, it's mind-blowing, yeah. He was like, oh, my God, how did you not know that? And I'm like, dude, I think that Peter Gabriel was, like, out of Genesis in, like, 1975 or something like that. Like, this is not, like, modern times. Like, you should have known that. They never had a hit with Peter Gabriel. Yeah. This isn't like switching out Van Halen singers. No, this is not like that. This is not no, like No, this was like deep, deep or Genesis Origins, which right. hmm, has I, some weird thing going on there. Right, <laughs> I know. But I don't think they had any like big hit. Like they weren't 
the no. Genesis we know with Peter Gabriel. Like, I don't think, I mean, fact check me on this, because I don't know my Genesis history very well, but I'm pretty sure I'm right about that. I mean, I know for sure they didn't have the the, the popularity they did with Phil Collins as they did with Peter Gabriel. I mean, but you're right. That's like saying, oh, my God, did you know that, da- that David Lee Roth was in Van Halen? Yes. Right. How else would you know him? Um, he did leave Genesis in 1975. I really pulled that out of my ass. Yeah. I knew it was in the 70s, but I didn't. I really pulled that year out of my ass just now. I'm trying to see when Genesis formed. 1967 to 75. With, I mean, were they more than a regional? Oh, no. Yeah, I don't know. Were they more than regional? Oh, the 70s, line, the 70s lineup featured Peter Gabriel. So he wasn't even the original original. So I just feel like that's a fun fact. You know what or you don't. Right, but but it, how pretentious is it for him to have said, oh, my God, how do you not know that? Right. You, you should not know. You, there's no reason for you to know that, right. to need to know that. They, I mean, we don't know Genesis with Peter Gabriel. Name a song they sang. I can't. I can't. No. Wait, but it, you're, you're exactly right with the Van Halen. It's different, now. yeah. Yeah, like, it's totally different. It's It's a band that's not known to have Peter Gabriel as the singer versus... David Lee Roth. <laughs> and Van Halen is famous both ways. <laughs> like, exactly. But, like, no one's ever said, oh, my God, I didn't know David Lee Roth was in Van Halen. Right. I mean, I'm sure plenty, if if anyone's ever said that, then to say, oh, my God, you idiot, how did you not know that is very justifiable. That's it's more just justifiable. Than Peter Gabriel. Yeah. Right. Anyway. Right. I mean, yeah. the only thing you'd be like, I didn't know there was a David Lee Roth or there was a Van Halen without David Lee Roth. Like, there's lots of different things. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how you would how you would know, I, know that either. Because they, they're just as, I don't know. Are you are you a Sammy fan or a Dave fan? I, I really give two shits. <laughs> I have zero, I have zero in this game. I think I'm team Dave, but I know that's very controversial. Either way, it's very. Yeah. I mean, I honestly can't tell you. You don't which... give shit or. And I don't know. Like, I know Van Halen's. So I want to hear it. I don't know who's singing it. I don't know. I like Van Halen. I just don't. A little Van Halen-y. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, what a, what a great segue there. We just. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. And on that note, I'm out. I don't have it. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. What? I, I did have something. I'll tell you it, and then we'll end. Okay. Um, so remember the episode? We talked about the episode, the scariest episode of television ever with the feral cannibals on The Walking Dead. Walking Dead, yeah. So I think I mentioned that, like, the very day after I saw that episode, my little cousin comes over and spends the day. And he's doing this weird, like, all fours. Like the feral. Like the feral cannibals. So this weekend, I go to Annapolis with said little cousin and his sister and his mother. And my brother Jeremy lives there with his two-year-old and his wife. 
And my little cousin starts walk. He was nine now. Starts doing his feral cannibal walk. <laughs> and my niece Vivi likes this. <laughs> so I wake up. Like they'd already been up for an hour or so. I wake up and my cousin is like uh, my cousin's mother. She's like, uh, uh, remember who told me about the feral cannibals? I'm like, yeah, no one there watches The Walking Dead. No one. Yeah. I just told her the story. Like, you know, I just told my mom, I saw the scariest episode of TV and these people walking like, and then my cousin does it. And I'm like, ah. And so now my two-year-old niece, Phoebe. (laughs) She's doing it too. It's doing it. And (laughs) Jeremy texts me today and says she's still doing that walk. And anyway, so I'm like, baby feral cannibal the other really like super funny thing about this weekend was we went to annapolis decided to go downtown and apparently they have some sort of alice in wonderland festival we had no idea about oh, that's coming here yeah i didn't know it was, it was i don't know what it is but i know i've seen alice thousands of people dressed up like alice in wonderland characters and my my niece is too and she's a very frilly girly girl loves a dress loves shiny sparkly anything and this is definitely one of those nature versus nurture things because oh yeah she has not been nurtured in that manner (laughs) and it is her nature it's her nature she just has I mean has always gone for the really poofy whatever so anyway she sees she's in her little stroller and all these people are wearing these costumes that you know you buy at Halloween they're made out of like crappy rayon or whatever that the sun could melt right and and probably will one day and there's this one Alice that is in clearly a well-made dress a tailored dress wow yeah good quality and we're walking down the street and she's in her stroller and she does this thing with her finger like Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and alice was like like me <laughs> like there alice is everywhere and this two-year-old who barely speaks Right. Just goes like with her finger, like, ooh, that one. Like, uh, clearly, it melted my heart, but it melted Alice's heart so hard. It was just yeah. like if you saw her face, it looked like she just, you know, like won a beauty pageant. I don't know, but it was just like. She, how old, about how old was this Alice? 30. I don't know. It wasn't a child. Yeah. It, it was a grown woman. And she looked like, yeah, like. You like understand clearly, the compliment from a two-year-old. Clearly. It's like the, the ultimate. The ultimate compliment. Toddlers and I mean, cats. There are hundreds of Alice's walking down the street. And this is the one Vivi picks out. So I just thought that was, oh, my God. Anyway, it was it was super cute. And we had lunch at. An Irish pub that was zero percent Irish. <laughs> of course. So for the name was oh something. Maybe it was Obamas. Obamas. 
Isn't that how Bono says it? Obama. Obama. <laughs> oh, Obama. Or I don't know. It's oh, it, it's. I think Obama. It's, something like that. Obama. It's yeah. Obama. Oh, he says it bad. It's just bad. It's okay. Same. Anyway, good up. Yeah, good up. I wonder. Uh, I wonder what we're doing. Oh, if you, if you're practicing, Happy New Year. Because yes. next, before we uh, have an app on again, it will have been Rosh Hashanah. Rosh yeah. Hashanah will have been here and gone, and have a sweet and happy, healthy New Year. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Stay tuned for Yom Kippur. More to come. Yes. <laughs> Stay tuned for Yom uh, oh. oh, I have to say this, too. And I don't... So, Mayim Bialik does this uh, thing on... I guess... I don't know what it is. My brother sent it. My brother sent me a text. Sent me it on a text. I think it came from Instagram. But she does, like, a Yiddish word a day. Yeah. And she said last week, the Yiddish word of the day is mashuga. <laughs> and she was like, I know you're thinking that the word is mashugana, but that is not a word. It comes from the Hebrew mishugas. Okay. And so in Yiddish, it's mashuga. And if anyone says mashugana, which is like crazy chaos, um, okay. then you're saying it wrong. And I'm like, I think she's wrong. And I, I talked to my cousin about this as well. And she also agreed that she thinks she's wrong. Um, but my reply to Will was that, that Blossom might have PhD in neuroscience. But her th- her theory about Mashuga is just totally screwed up. Because Mashuga is a situation created by a Mashugana. And Blossom's just spreading Mashugas. <laughs> I love and it. And that is our Yiddish Hebrew lesson for the week. Oh, yay. Did you did you follow all that? Does it make sense if we keep it in there? I did, yeah. Okay. I think it's... I mean, she's wrong. <laughs> a Mashugana creates... I'm a sugar situation. Okay. I mean, I, I trust you on it. I, I trust me too. I don't know. I don't trust Blossom. I think she's just wrong. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, there you go, Blossom. Look it up. Yeah. So the Michigan over Bono and Barrio. <laughs> Bono and Barrio. Oh, man. <laughs> I do not think I could drink with those two guys. I would love to, wouldn't you? I would love to. Uh, I would die. I would alcohol die. Poisoning. I would too, but I'd gladly do it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, speaking of this too, though, I wish my my friendly Fobano, John Richardson, a happy birthday on Facebook. I tagged you. Did you see this? No. You had a look. So he's Fobano in a U2 tribute band based out of Charlotte, North Carolina. He played in Hampton, Virginia a couple months ago. And I met this guy and, and we have a we have an episode where we talk about his band. I think it's Rum and Hummus. Yes. Rum and Hummus. And 
So I wished Jono, as he goes by, John Richardson, he's the Bono. He, uh, I wished him a happy birthday and he replied and said, thank you. I celebrated with whiskey and birthday cake. Oh, yay. But I was just like, I'm going to send you the screen cap and then maybe we might need to put we'll it on sh- social media. Yeah, was, we'll share it. I don't know. I felt my heart, it warmed my heart. You felt, you felt seen and heard. <laughs> I felt like Alice in Wonderland <laughs> and a fancy dress. Fancy <laughs> dress. Okay. Well, on that note, I have got to go. I have uh, actually, I'm going to watch Jeffrey with my parents. Oh, yay. Well, until next week. Happy New Year, Boomcha. Happy New Year, Boomcha. Boomcha. <laughs> Boomcha. Bye. Bye.